This is the last Sunday of this series, Finding Meaning in Life, Finding Contentment in Our Soul. I have truly enjoyed studying and preaching this series of sermons. Wisdom literature is a genre found within the Bible. I think sometimes we forget that. It is the Word of God. It is men that penned in their style through their words, but yet moved upon by the Holy Ghost to write these words. And yet, and still in this, we forget sometimes that the Bible is made up of different genres of literature. And so they need to be handled a little differently at times. And so this has been a good challenge to me as you all have been going through this same series in your Bible study Sunday school classes and looking at the same material and for me to study and look at what you're seeing and and then also uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit adding to that. I have thoroughly enjoyed going through again this wisdom literature and learn new things each and every time and brings us back to a foundation and that's where Solomon ends today. It also uh, causes me to preach differently. Uh, different genres call for different styles at times. I don't, I'm not saying it has to be done that way. I'm saying that's how it kind of comes out of me uh, in studying wisdom literature in different genres. It causes me to preach differently and think differently and approach the text in a good way, prayerfully, with again, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, with that introduction, I encourage you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes, and we'll begin reading in verse 7, we'll read verse 8, then 10, and then we'll go down to the very last two verses of the book in chapter 12, 13 and 14. So we'll begin Ecclesiastes 11, 11, 7 and 8 and 10. And if you're physically able this morning, I'd encourage you to stand with me in honor and reverence of the reading of God's holy word unto us. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let them remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. And now chapter 12 and verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Amen, and you may be seated. Heavenly Father, we come to yet another very sacred point in this worship service where we not only open the sacred book that you have revealed yourself to us through, but also, Lord, our hearts and our minds and our ears. And so, Lord, impart upon us your wisdom, wisdom for life, eternal life, abundant life, 
a life filled with meaning and hope and purpose. And Heavenly Father, help us as not to be like the one that James wrote about, to be a forgetful here, to look in the mirror, but then walk away and forgetting what we look like. But take this message, Lord, let us not only hear it, but with the help and aid of the Holy Spirit, help us to be doers of the Word, that we might live through You. I pray, Lord, for Your help in bringing this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess one of my, uh, that's one thing I've calmed down a lot in the last few years is my pranks. And I love pranks. And um, uh, a lot of church folk don't see that as funny as other people sometimes, but I, I love pranks. One of my favorite, it would certainly be in my top five, Sandy, uh, was there were about... Uh, and how we got put in this class, I have no idea, but it was in Madison Central, 1991, and somehow about six of us got in this little room with Mary Lois, and we had music appreciation, and um, I didn't think much about the class, but you know, I still, it's funny how that got ingrained in me, because we studied through the centuries different musicians and their music, and Still tonight, if you walked in my office, this will surprise some of you, but most nights I have uh, Beethoven, Mozart, Chopin, Tchaikovsky playing in my office, and that probably surprised some of you, but a lot of that came from, from that class. But one of my favorite pranks was uh, uh, our teacher was, was gone that day, and she had a substitute, and um, it was a, another retired teacher, I believe, that substituted for her that day. Well, the teacher had given us busy work, right? How many of you love busy work? And it's necessary. I know why teachers do it, but yet they just, they're gone a day and they say, I'm going to keep them busy and out of trouble, right? And so there was this stack of papers. I mean, it was just thick. There was no way our teacher thought that we would get through that, especially this group of boys. Uh, we were not the cream of the crop, so to speak, about six of us. That's why I'm always amazed at how us six got pulled in for music appreciation. I don't even remember. but And she'd given us busy work, and we looked at it. We're like, what? there's no way we're going to get this done. She just wants us to be quiet and good. So the substitute teacher was sitting at the desk. We're in a little room, uh, kind of crammed in there, and my friend pointed at the book on on the desk and I said the answers will be in there and so we hid while she was not paying attention she was reading or something we hid the other extra textbooks that didn't have the answers and we said uh, can we we're, there's no more textbooks can we use that book on the on the desk she said well sure well it had all the answers to all the pages and so we, we went through and we got this big stack of papers done in no time. And we were really trying to stick it to her. So we didn't like you do sometimes when you cheat. I know none of you know this, but you'll miss a couple answers on purpose just to throw the teacher off. Curtis, you're laughing. I know you've never done that. And uh, we got them all right because we couldn't wait to see her expression the next day. And... 
the next day came, and she was not happy. She was blown away, wanting to know how we got all those. And, of course, we just played along. We're good students. We really listen to you, and you have taught us so much. And, of course, she knew we were full of it. But I always remember that time uh, we had the answers. And I want to tell you, that's what you've got right here. And Solomon has given you the answers to the test. He tested it all. He had all the resources to find contentment and meaning and purpose for life in pleasures and things, in wealth, money, in his work and labor, in wisdom. He had all these things, an ample supply to test them, to find the meaning of life in his backslidden state and his relationship with God. And yet he could not find a fullness of of spirit through them. And so Solomon is pouring out his heart to us here, and God is using Solomon in not only this very good point, but he's also using his failures to speak to us today. And he's saying, here's the answers to the test. And Solomon's heart is saying, I wish you would listen. I don't want you to go through years of doing what I tried to do. Here's the answers. Write them down. Look at them. They're here. You don't have to guess. You don't have to uh, put great deals of your own wisdom in it. I've tested it. I've tried it. I've seen God's glory. I've seen my glory. I've seen my glory fade and seeing God's glory again. All these things, it's here. And he's begging us. God is using Solomon's voice to bring us together, and he's begging us to listen and to look to the answers of the test. If you look at the text again, we begin in verse 7 where he says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. This is a way that Solomon is speaking of the illumination of the sun. And when the sun's out, there's light or shining around us, and we can see obstacles in our way. We can see beauty. We can see danger more clearly and easily. And so here again, he's, he's saying, I'm giving you the light. And it is sweet. It'll keep you from stumbling. Look at it. Hear my voice. And he says, So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. See, when we have the answers to the test, we can rejoice more readily in what is before us. Finding purpose and meaning, whether we're on the mountaintops or in the valleys, we know that God is God, and we are looking unto Him. And then he says, but remember that the days of darkness will be many, but all is vanity. Now, vanity here means breath. All is a breath. Whether you experience a good day, whether you experience bad, it's a breath. Neither one lasts in this life. And so we can trust God and rejoice in them. Knowing that God is working out His glory and our good 
in the good or in the bad. It's all a breath. It doesn't last. And so it keeps us more mindful in the good days to if it is a beautiful day and we have not had many problems or troubles that have stolen our joy away from us, brothers and sisters, rejoice in that day. How many of you, the older you get, the more you rejoice in just knowing the family's in and safe? That's one of my greatest joys now. It really is. It is just when I know Trey and Tori and Paula and we're there and the rest of the family and nobody's in the hospital and that's, that's a day I just say thank you God for this moment because those moments won't last forever. And it gives me great peace. A good meal with friends or family are great, the greatest blessings of all now. And yet it also gives me meaning that when the days are dark and when the days are filled with trouble and trials and temptations, as we say, the three big T's, and I know, though, there's hope because I know it's just a breath. And it won't last forever either. And God will bring me through and lead me to the everlasting kingdom where the reward will be much greater than the sorrow we experienced. This is life, beloved. Rejoice in the good days, the simplicity of beauty that is around us. But know that there will be days of trouble. And I'm still in awe of people that don't know that. They're, they're so blown away by days of trouble. Why is this happening to me? It's happened to everybody. <laughs> and Solomon here is saying, rejoice when you see. And in the bad, there's going to be bad days. But remember, it's all a breath. It's all just a breath, just a vapor. And he says here, remove vexation. And I want us to hone in on some words for a few moments. In verse 10, he says, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Again, breath. Doesn't mean that youth is emptiness. It means that youth is... It goes by very quickly. Amen? Jason, one day we're running around the bases, and the next day we're running through the bathroom every half an hour, right? I mean, amen. Remove. Now, listen, God has done some awesome and mighty things. God is sovereign. God will finish His work. God is in control. And yet, we have decisions to make in this matter. What I'm telling you today is what Solomon's telling you, what God's telling you as well. That we also have to remove some things. And actually that Hebrew word can mean turn away from. And it made me think of the word repentance. It's not the word repentance, but it made me think of that because to repent means to turn 
in the direction of God. And so here Solomon is saying, remove worry. Now, some of you are like me. We, it's when difficult things happen or we don't know, we say, how can I remove worry what has happened to me? Uh, some of us uh, worry more easily by nature, our makeup, right? And so how can you say, well, just don't worry? And, and isn't that the, the most aggravating thing when you've had, when you're confused and struggling and anxious and somebody says, don't worry. That's like telling a, a woman to calm down. It doesn't work. Don't do it. And so telling someone, don't worry about it. So what's he mean by remove or turn away from worry, vexation of the heart? And I think here it is, is that we have to, what Solomon, the whole point of this book, the whole point of this message is, is that yes, difficult things are going to come and our body is going to experience symptoms of worry. That's going to happen. But we have to turn away from the things that cause us to worry. And that's the whole point of this book is collecting for pleasures because you never get enough and they don't bring fulfillment thinking you'll get by on your wisdom, but someday you realize no matter how wise you are about life, you're not wise enough to fix the problems before you. No matter how much you work, you can't find complete fulfillment in your work. No matter your wealth, you're always collecting and desiring more wealth. They don't feel the emptiness. And so we have to turn away from trying to find contentment in those things. Turn away from the things that cause worry. And turn to God. He says, remove or turn away from worry the things that cause worry. And that is where we get ourselves caught in a trap many times. We walk into the net of worry and then wonder why we're worrying, right? And that's what he's saying. Yes, dark days are coming. And it will affect our body and sometimes with, with very anxious feelings. That is true. But there we know it's a vapor. It won't last. But in those days, and before that time, we have to think about what we're turning away from and what we're turning to. And I want to tell you, beloved, that's hard decision. God does give us free will. And that's why Solomon's pouring his heart into this book. Hear my words. Don't fall into this trap. It's a dead-end road in trying to find contentment in pleasures and wisdom and work and wealth. It doesn't work. Hear me. Turn away from it. It will only cause you great anxiety and worry, anxiousness of heart, hopelessness, doubt, and he says, and put away, or there again, take away pain from your flesh or your body. Take away the burden. Again, we are to remove ourselves from the things that cause us harm and unpleasantness. In ignorant living. Because... The concept even the world understands most of the time is that you do reap what you sow. And if you put yourself in the net of worry and in the trap of 
of harmful living, it will come back and it will rob you of the joy of life. And so Solomon's saying, turn away from the things that cause worry, from lifestyles that cause worry in, from your heart, and take away things that will bring harm and unpleasantness to your flesh. And he says, for youth and the dawn are like vanity, they're a breath. It's just like a sunset, or sunrise and a sunset. It comes and it goes. But that's not all that he says, is just to turn away from something. But he also teaches us in this book to turn to something. We understand that we worry and bring harm to our life when we attempt to find contentment for our soul in these things, collecting things that cannot satisfy. But we also have to, if we're going to sweep the house clean, we've got to fill it back up with good things for life. And here he says in verse, verse 13 of chapter 12, the end of the matter is this, all have been heard. In other words, Solomon's saying, here's the end of the matter. Here's the answers to the test. I have tried it all. I've had an endless supply of trying to test pleasures, work, wisdom, and wealth to find contentment and meaning and happiness in life and fulfillment and peace in my heart. And I'm telling you, here's the answers to the test. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God. That's not a popular statement in today's world. If Jonathan Edwards were here today preaching sinners in the hands of angry God, he probably would struggle to get an audience today. And yet that message was very pivotal in great awakenings here upon American soil many years ago. Even, even in Christian circles, we have tried to be so apologetic for God that We've taken away His greatness and holiness. We're scared to death to say we need to fear God at times. And you know what that Hebrew word means for fear God? Fear God. And actually, it can also mean be afraid. Now, there's more to the word than that. Also, of course, to revere, to honor, to devote our lives. But if you're going to honor someone if you're really going to devote your life to them, let me say this, if I can get this out right. I think to love God is to fear God. To understand that He is God and we are not. That I can't control all the situations of life, and yet He holds them in His hand. Why should we fear God? Because of those very truths. We should reverence His holy name and honor Him and devote our lives to Him because He is God. He gives life. He holds life. And yes, there is coming a day of full judgment upon the earth. He is the only holy and righteous being. The Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and there is a point where I do, I am afraid of what God will bring into judgment. But you know, some of us that have a problem with that, you know what fears, what brings anxiety to my heart even more? 
with God is the truth that God will let you live in your sin to a certain degree. Remember in Romans, I was reading Romans chapter 1 where there came a point where God turned some over to what? A reprobate mind? It's not only what God does to judge, but that He might remove and say, okay, I'll turn you over to your desires. That scares me as much as anything, and it should all of us. There's some here today that you think you can come to God at any time. And I'm not saying God won't let you come to Him if you want to come to Him. Here's the scary thing. He might let you and turn you over to a time in your life where you won't want to turn to Him. And then, my brother, then my sister, it'll be too late to come to God. I think that is why I fear God as much as anything. And and that we know, understand prophecy that the world will get worse before Christ comes back. And that is a lot of God just allowing us in our own free will to turn away from Him and the hardening of the heart. Fear God, He says. If you're turning away from the things that cause worry and vexation in your life, if you're turning away from harmful and ignorant situations that bring harm to your body and your life, then you are turning towards something and you're turning toward God the giver of life, the one who has the answers, the one who holds time and space and eternity in the very palm of his hands, the giver of eternal life, we've got to turn to him. And then it says, keep his commands. Now, I know where all of our minds probably go there. It's probably the Ten Commandments, right? But I think it's a little broader than that. I don't think Solomon is just talking about Ten Commandments here. Certainly that's involved in it. The word keep means to observe, guard, preserve. And and I don't think not only is he talking about the Mosaic Law, but the revealed commands when God speaks. In other words, His voice that He gives to His people. Keep it. Guard it. Preserve it. And now we understand that that means the whole counsel of God. The Bible, the Word of God, is to be kept, observed, guarded, preserved, hidden in our heart that we might not sin and sin against God. Fear God and keep His commands, for this is the whole duty of man. To fear God is to hear His voice and love Him, and to love Him is to hear His voice and fear Him. And so here, what Solomon is saying in very general in our terms is, Beloved, turn to the giver of life for contentment in life. Turn to Him and hear His voice. And guard the words that God speaks to us and preserve them, grasp them. Here's the end of it all. Life and contentment is not found in things under the sun, but in God's only Son, 
Jesus Christ. You might say, now, Pastor Alan, uh, Solomon lived long before Jesus was on the scene, so how are you connecting those two? I say the gospel is all in Ecclesiastes. And I'll share with you why. You see, Solomon knew that the Messiah was to come. Right? That was prophesied by God in Genesis 2. He knew that. He also knew something else. The Messiah was going to come from the offspring of David, his father. God had promised that to David. Now here it is. He knew the Messiah was to come. He knew the Messiah was to come from David's lineage. He knew the Messiah was going to sit on the throne of Israel. And now he knew he wasn't that one because he had failed in life so bad. I'm not him. I've blown it, so hear me. He says, would you turn to God and would you hear his voice? And would you not do what I've done and waste so many years of trying to find life any other way than in the promised Messiah? You see, Solomon was just looking toward the Messiah. We're just looking back, but the faith is in the same thing. God saving his people. It's in the same person. And not only does Solomon say, for this is the whole duty of man, that means you today, beloved. God sent his son to save us. You know why? Because we couldn't keep all of his words. And Solomon knew he didn't. And so what did Solomon do when he knew he had failed in God's holy commandments? He went to the priest and they offered a sacrifice in faith of the coming Messiah that God would rescue his people. And so, under the new covenant, Jesus Christ has come. And Jesus Christ became the sacrifice at the cross of Calvary, bearing our sin and our shame. And there, through his sacrifice at Calvary, bringing forgiveness and atonement to our life. And so, we look to the king greater than King Solomon, and that's King Jesus, the true Messiah. And we look into him, and we are in awe of him, and we fear him, and we respect him, and we honor him. And we devote our life to him. We, we turn away from the things of the world that cause worry. And we turn to Jesus Christ. And we hear His voice. And we follow Him. And beloved, this is where we find meaning. Because you were created by God and for God. And you will not be happy until you are in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Would you come to Him today? Don't think you're always going to come to God on your terms. No. That doesn't happen. And can I give you a warning? Don't delay. 
on coming to Christ. Because he is the judge of all things. And there might be a time he just allows you to go too far that you won't hear his voice again calling you. If there is an ounce within your heart today that is hearing the voice of God, would you follow him? Would you turn to him? Would you find life, eternal life, and abundant life in Jesus Christ?